0: I hope all of you out there listening to the sound of my voice are having a really good day. Today, I would like to give an opportunity to have a progressive open discussion with a person who has worked on those front lines. And he's worked in on the, those front lines as a provider, as a paramedic an environment that we like to call urban. And in that urban environment, sometimes these things can stick with you. And we just wanna provide you with a voice and this person's gonna provide that voice for us all. His name, Chuck Bennett. His job, paramedic. His city, St. Louis. Hello, Chuck. How are you?
1: Good. How are you, Doug?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, sit down and uh, speak with you. I appreciate you giving me uh, some time so we can hear your story, story in your own words. Yeah. What, what? So let's get right into it. Okay. So uh, tell us. Who you are? Where did you come from?
1: Okay, so I I got into EMS. My my family is uh very big in in this in serving the community. My dad was a, a volunteer fire chief. He was in the military. He was in the military. Have military family. I have cousins and everybody that are in. So it's just real big in serving the community. Um, I I'll be honest. It uh, re, uh I got interested in Rescue 911 influenced me, a TV show, and then before that, you know, uh, uh, the show Emer- Emergency influenced me. But most, but mostly, my father. Our little town was 500 people, but the fire district had an ambulance you know and they had coal mines so they had a lot of runs for a small town um when i say a lot of runs i mean they might have did 60 or 70 a year but you know it was enough to to you know to where they were pretty well equipped they got you know that's what got me interested in now getting into st louis uh I, I my uh I'm not gonna say you know keep my get my family involved, but what happened, my mother passed away and I moved um up here to St. Louis and got into school and uh, started my EMS education at the age of eighteen or so. Um I was licensed as the MP at eighteen. Started paramedic school at 19, got hired at EMS uh, at the age of 20. And I was on an ambulance um, in the city of St. Louis, working there, um, you know, uh, working there and seeing things, you know. That I had never seen before, and um, I'd been to the city, I'd been to St. Louis downtown and all that. I saw the city like I had never seen it before, and I uh, it depended on who I worked with. I was, I was, I was still young. I was developing my my personality. You know, yeah. you're 20 years old. You don't have a you, your personality or your ideas are, are influenced by a lot of different people.
0: Yeah, and let's they, let's let's hit that for a hot second. All right. So there's this kid from a small community and he's visited the so-called big city, right? Yeah. But now he goes both feet into uh this job at the age of 20 is that correct? 20? Yeah, 20, 20. Yes. And your first day on an ambulance, right. if you remember that, right? Like, what did I that did feel like
1: day, Yes, well, right in the third person orientation, oh, my or my first day out of Oria. I mean, I remember both. I want my first day on an ambulance but just with another person was with, with Jocelyn Thomas on, on Manicula.
0: Okay. My, yes, Mama Thomas, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's where I met
1: you for the first time. That was yeah. your first day. I was with you on your first day on an ambulance in the city. Yes. So, uh, and, you know, I I, I, I put it like this. You know, I think they see a lot of young kids and they're like in and out the door, They didn't know that I didn't realize that I would was gonna stay as long as I did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really didn't have intentions on saying I was gonna go be a fireman, but once I got into doing what i what I was doing it and, and the work I was doing and the the Actually, being able to help people, you know, you know, in between the stuff that we like to call, you know, what we like to call it.
0: You're uh, talking the very BLS runs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, if, ones
0: that
1: yeah. faster or better, you know, stuff like yeah. that. But there were calls also that 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 I remember. uh, Vividly, my first night with Jocelyn, we had a a shooting in front of that church. Uh, it's on it's on uh, St. Louis Avenue, and uh, they used to be on TV on Sundays. I can't think of the, the name of the uh-huh. church anymore, but it's right. I, I want to say TV, but I don't think that's it. I think it, it's it's uh at. How far from Taylor and, and St. Louis, mm-hmm. or you know that towards the east or towards the river, you turned right on on to uh, St. Louis. There were three yeah. people, three two two or three kids shot on the front lawn, and that's ran. I ran that call before I ever spoke four words to Jocelyn. You know. And that's, that that's difficult. Yeah. That's that's difficult, but, you know, and she didn't hand out a lot of compliments. She didn't, she, she, she was not, um, she was not mean, you know, and uh, at the end, you know, at the end of it, she just told told me I needed to move faster. And I said, "I, I, I, okay, you know, and sometimes I think if I move any faster I'm gonna fall down you know but you know me I I, did, I I ended up having a reputation of being very uh <clears throat> I don't know how to, how to explain it um I got towards the middle you know middle towards the end of my career my my the people I worked with on my shift uh knew that if I called for help, if it was a, uh, you know, if it was me calling for help, I needed help. You know, I wasn't yeah. one of the people that send me three trucks, blah blah blah, and then end up canceling them. You know, or whatever. I was, yeah. uh, I was, I ha- I got told. I'm not gonna toot my own horn, but I got told by one of my, you know, one of my coworkers that. If something happened to him, he would want me to come, and I said, "You know, why was that?" He said, could you never sound; you never get shook up, shaken up on the. You always sound. You're always steady on the radio. You're always, you know. And uh, I, I, that was one of that's the best compliment I think I could ever get. Now, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean inside I wasn't ready to fall apart sometimes, but um, you know, we're kind of skipping all over. Here.
0: No, no, no. So no, that's good that you say that because I remember working with you and then hearing you on the radio, you sounded like a dispatcher to me. And a dispatcher has that monotone and they are steady all the time. And I paid attention to the way that sounded. Because it felt like that you were calm and you had control of the scene. Now, when we have these chaotic scenes in the city of St. Louis, and you know we're talking over twenty years ago, right? Um, um, we may have controlled the circumstance, but on our insides, um, it was complete chaos. But we never saw them sweat. So, no, that's that's uh, an important distinction to have when you have to control a chaotic scene and you're, you one of your first calls being a triple shooting in front of a church like who can put that together coming from a small town and now you have to handle this and the person that's training you saying go for it and the only way you really learn i guess in some cases is to actually just do it right 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 yeah so so let's fast forward. so what year is this let's just kind of give people a, a time perspective what year is this when you got started? It
1: was in January
0: 1994.
1: Okay. Yeah. So. First day so you
0: day fourth. Okay, and then you you started as an EMT or paramedic. EMT. EMT, and then as I met you as a paramedic riding with Josh, right? Right.
1: Um, here. Um. No. Even... Solan come here. Um I'm sorry. My, oh, you're no, right. I'm losing my my um screen, but no, I started as an EMT. Uh-huh. And uh I was still I was a paramedic when I met you, but I hadn't gone I hadn't gone to uh hadn't gotten promoted yet. Okay while um and but I was uh Actually, I think I might have still been working on my my clinicals when, when I met you. Okay,
0: so let's move it towards. You start as a paramedic. Now you've been through the training, and now you're working on the street. And one of your first street shifts, running your truck as a paramedic, what was that like?
1: Well, my first street shift being well. <clears throat> First of all that happened, uh, I got promoted. I mean I didn't get promoted, but I was licensed and they put me on Medic fifteen if you can remember that that one. Um and uh I worked with some some I I can't even remember his name. He was just kind of a strange guy. He was okay. But uh it was uh I felt a lot of pressure because I, I didn't want to mess up. I wanted to make sure that I did everything right. And I, I made a lot of phone calls to people, like to the hospital, to the doctor, you know, to medical control. And and uh, I would ask other paramedics, you know, I would, you know, because it's scary, especially when, you uh, you know, you have this responsibility. This is an enormous responsibility. A lot of people don't realize. You know, they dial nine one one, two guys show up and take you to the hospital, and you know, put you on the monitor and do all this stuff. They don't realize the the background of all that. The um, the all the training. You know, we used to make it look so easy, you know, but it was so, it was a very difficult job. But I think back, back in the day, you know, we, we did it and we did, you know, the best we could with what we had. And we, uh, I wouldn't trade anything. I would not trade anything in the world for the experience that I had, you know, my very early experience, especially moving from place to place, working with different paramedics, working with, uh, you know, just getting to know the city, talking in between calls, um, driving around, learning, you know that old map that Monroe had you know the the map that she, it wasn't a map that had all the you know what learning that and I I still have that that is like imprinted in my brain yeah you know? and uh it, it's uh it's a it, it's a job that never leaves.
0: You know, you use the word responsibility, and you're you're out on these on these trucks early, and you felt the weight of trying to help people. Uh, that you hope that all this training and education you got really made sense to you, and that sounded like to me that there was a level of respect for the job that you have, and I just want people. That are listening to this to just remind themselves that go back to that first day and the love of respect. And we hope that you have that same love for what you do today that you did on day one, because at the end of the day, you're taking care of people who have called 911 for you to help them. And people, you know,
1: what a lot of people don't realize is we meet people their worst day a lot of times you know as they people say you know somebody acts stupid. all oh, this person i i would i would hear other paramedics you know per- acting stupid you know crying over their baby you know i said i'm sure he was out selling bible stuff like that and i said you know i, I some there were times when i would say you know that was her baby regardless of what he did you know, whatever got him, got him. Uh, you know, dead. Whatever the reason was, whoever did it, it did. It. None of that matters to that mother. You know, that mother lost her baby, and um, that's 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 what that's a disconnect that I saw between a lot. And, that we have and then i think it's a defense me- mechanism to de- to to keep yourself from feeling anything you know it, it it's not a, it's not a it's not a racist thing it's a it's the def- i personally i don't think it is now yeah. You know, it, it could be for some of them. I don't know, and, and I'm not gonna. I, I'm speaking for in general. In, I'm speaking in, in general, like generalities. Mm-hmm. Like in general, when you say stuff like that, it's to, it's to keep your mind or or maybe your soul, what however you want to say it, from hurting. For yeah. that person, so you could continue on doing your job because you could very well leave Barnes or Slew and go back and do the exact same thing that you just got done doing. And, 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 and you know, you'd have a shooting and then mom or girlfriend there crying. And, and then, you know, you're like, oh, you know, you know, whatever, you know, he probably deserved it, you know. It, it, it no one deserves you know anything like that you know and I remember um i'm gonna tell you one thing and and I don't want you to take it wrong but I walked up to the scene of call of a shooting mm-hmm. uh, this this guy was laying there he had a stick in his hand and he was the one who was shot he was he was a 10 for 1049 is dead
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I walked up without even without missing a beat I looked at my partner and I said you know what he learned tonight and he said what I said never bring a stick to a gunfight and, and that's messed up that 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 comes from comes from holding all that stuff in and I I would never say that. Today, I don't. So,
0: think. so, so you're talking about coping mechanisms and yeah. the way that we weren't really taught how to cope, and yeah. not, and we we just know that we had to cope because we had to come back for that next call. So, speaking right, well, of the Roy,
1: Johnny and Roy, a problem. you know uh, even the emergency guys. You yeah. ever saw that? You know what I mean? So, yeah.
0: But where did you work, though? Like, what parts of the city did you work in?
1: I worked everywhere. The first uh, place after I got off of, uh, um, you you know, calling in every night uh, to find out where I was, was uh, Medicaid with Bill Barnett. And uh, I, I credit Bill for making me the paramedic that I am because uh Bill was a a big part of a big part of making me see things through a black man's eyes.
0: So Bill Burnett was an older black man, yeah. and you were a younger white man at the time, right? Yeah. And what did y'all work? What side of the city was that?
1: The yeah, Medicaid station at Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's predominantly black neighborhood, they, would you say? Oh yeah, I would say, yeah, probably 99.8, or <laughs> yeah. but there were you know there was business uh-huh. there and stuff and industry and all that too, but um but 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 Bill. Bill really, and I haven't talked to him since he retired, since I've been out, and I've been wanting to, but Bill really shaped me into, I think Bill made made me, if I could use this phrase, in his image. He helped me become a good paramedic, he helped me use my common sense, my common sense, my my eyes, my ears, my nose, everything, to to learn, to to try to you know to when you're walking in the house, you're you're looking you're looking at stuff, you're looking at the house, you're looking at you're making an assessment of what is going on or what kind of home this is, you know, and then what, you know what I mean? And what I mean by that is when you you walk into a little old lady's house and and there's plastic on everything, you know, this little old lady um, is one of those people who is very, very protective of her home. She's going to be one of those people that uh, that didn't call for just people to come talk to because you could see that the woman was full alive, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you could, and, and then there's, there's there's times when uh you walk into people's homes and they they meet you at the door like you're the pizza delivery man, you know? Yeah, you just walk out to the ambulance. And I, what I loved about being in and out of people's homes was it, it wasn't just, it was just so educational for me and it, it, it killed every single, every single prejudice that I ever had killed doing this job killed every one of them. It made me, and, and Bill Barnett was a big Bill Barnett and Jeff Davis together. They th- those two guys. I credit I credit both of them with, with basically raising me in EMS. I mean, I was twenty twenty one years old. They they were both old enough to be my father. You know, they could have been my father. And that, that's, that was comforting to me, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, they, I just, you know, Bill, I, I worked with Bill for the long, for a long time. Even when uh, fire took over, we went to the 33s together and we worked there for a long time together. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he just built a lot of people Misunderstood Bill because he mumbled a lot. He, he's, he 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 reminded me. He reminded me of uh, Bill Cosby, the good Bill Cosby, in a way that he, in a way that he, you know, said things and did things. And when, he didn't talk much, but when he did, you better listen because he knew what he was talking about.
0: You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, you, the Jocelyn's, the Vines, the Vals, uh, Porters, the uh, Bill Barnett's, and you know, there's just a, a host of, of Black men and women who were either paramedics or supervisors who really kind of shaped who, who we were working in, in neighborhoods. And I'm from St. Louis, that some of the neighborhoods I wasn't familiar with. So I can only imagine, you know, how you felt. So let's let's move forward a little bit to okay, now you've getting some experience, you're building confidence, and now you're starting to have some calls on your own and some uh some some run-ins, so to speak, right? So do you have a couple examples of some of the things that you saw that really opened up your eyes in this business?
1: Um yeah, I can I have one, uh, one really, uh well two. I the the first one uh was at the I believe at the Area Two police station and uh now yeah, they had that room with the uh, glass, and so the what was the I- identification room or whatever that the little lineup room or whatever. Yeah, they put us in the the room next to it, but we could see inside there. Mm -hmm. Well, I was in there sleeping I was knocked out I heard all this noise and I woke up and I I raised my head and I looked in there and uh, there were three or four cops on on this kid just beating him with their batons and I'm like he's handcuffed you know why don't they just why, why don't they just shut the door and let if he wants to bang his head on the wall he'll stop eventually he's not going to kill himself you know but don't beat him with that to get him to stop you know and 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 it all the, all of that stuff for them and and I'm not a cop and I know a few not a fan of most police officers. I do, if I wanted to be, if I had a chance to be pulled over and I could pick a police department, it would be in the city because they're too busy most of the time to mess with you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I didn't, I think there was a lot of stuff that went on and uh, I think they they held us back a lot on calls that we should have been there much sooner. You know, they let some they would let people. You know, that's just my opinion. I can't prove that, but I can prove this. Me and Brett Lucas, the make two. There was a call we got came out as a seizure down in Soulard in the back of hit The guy was supposed to be in the back of a police cruiser. And, and, and in St. Louis, the police cruiser is a van, not, not a car. We call them, we call the vans cruisers. I don't know why they do that, but that's just St. Louis. And uh, we got there. And they open the doors, and we go to really to get a look at him. And then there there's a gun, you know, and it was like a, like a little twenty two revolver of some kind, or maybe it may a a, a thirty two, was small, and he was shot in his upper palate. It hit his hard palate. Had it not hit his hard palate, it probably would have uh killed him. Mm-hmm. And uh he's handcuffed behind his back. And, and and I don't I I I asked this guy several times, how'd you do this? He wouldn't answer me. I said, "Listen, did, how did you do this?" He wouldn't answer me, and I finally said, "I said, did the police do this to you or the sec-? Because he was arrested for, he was stopped by the 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 security that was down there, which was police officers, and uh, and he was put in, you know. It, that and then a the sergeant and the, the cruiser came to get him and stuff. So he's in the back, and uh, we looked at them both and said, "How did he? How did he get shot?" I said, "I, I remember looking at the at the sergeant's face when after I said, how did he get shot in the mouth?' Shot? What do you mean shot?" sergeant was genuinely surprised the other guy wasn't so I don't know I can't say what happened I tried to follow up on it and it seemed like it was buried you know what I mean I, I couldn't mm-hmm. my, my trip sheet was gone uh all kind of, so, so that that was one of the things that uh, definitely that guy and he would not admit to doing it or he would not admit to not doing it and I'm like dude there's no way you did this to yourself this either happened before you got cuffed or, or it was, you know, like a magic bullet. I mean, there's just no, I just don't see it. I mean, I know there's people that, that can get out of handcuffs, but he's hanging up behind his back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to you, this defied logic, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
0: So how did that make you feel? I mean, you got, you know, your job is to take care of people And there's this guy that appears to be in custody, but there's an unusual injury that's taking place. So, how do you feel as a provider in that moment?
1: That was, yeah, I I, I was, I was looking at my partner, and uh, you can bleep this if you want. I'll just say it. That was effed up. I said, "How the, you know, mf did this gd." kid do this and and it just I felt my head my veins were just I was just like there's just no way and uh, I, I checked on him the next day at the hospital and he was already discharged and I said was he discharged home or to the police and you know and this was a little bit before HIPAA, but they still, you know, pulled the, the whole patient confidentiality thing. So I assume he was still in police custody. Okay. And, and uh, I couldn't find anything,
0: anything more about it. Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, we've been talking for the last few months off and on, and we've reconnected, which has been, you know, fun and interesting. But you you have this story and other circumstances that you wanted you know you want to share. And so what makes this important for you to share?
1: My story with EMS. Um, this was this was my job that I wanted to do I wanted to be a paramedic I I made it to kerchief I you know I I could have been a supervisor but every time I was in a supervisor's vehicle I was bored you know I wanted I wanted to be on the ambulance so I there was that and then you know there was a desire it was a it was a job where i had mobility i saw things I, I i met people but eventually what wore me down was the constant the constant seeing young kids killing each other the violence you know the violence really wore me down to the point where sometimes I didn't even want to go to work. Um, and uh, it, it, it took a while for that to happen, you know, but the, you know, there were people and, and I would hear stuff come out and, you know, we would get dispatched on it and Joe, and people, I won't say names, but there was a certain person on May 13th on my shift that would jump everything you know, and, and, and I talked to her one day and I said, how, how do you live with, with all that in your head? Oh, it doesn't bother me. I said, you're, you're, you're kidding yourself Mm -hmm. because it bothers me. I said, you know, it's just, there's no way that it can't. I had a call downtown, you know, uh there's a fuel man gas station downtown where there's no attend no attendant. You just pay, you know, you pull in and you pay. It's right next to uh uh what used to well, it used to be a rallies, but it's gone now. But the fuel mm-hmm. man's there. Mm-hmm. There uh Two families from Indianapolis travel traveling through St. Louis. They had a suburban, and it was nice. Had nice wheels, like those big old. I call them. I call them uh, wagon wheels because they're so big.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: carry very many. Uh, you know, they're they're have spokes. And it anyway, they drove by. They, went, they came down Shoto past like 14th, and some dude saw the, in the car, stopped them in the middle of the street, and told them they wanted to wheel. And they said no. They drove off, so these people got in the car, followed them down Shoto, and got about to that fuel man and and started shooting up the two dads. And uh, we had, you know, two, two ambulances. It was me and Bernie Krause on Medic 2. And it was uh, two guys on Medic 14 that were gone. Now, one of them, unfortunately, passed away from the swamp, he, uh, drowned in Lake of the Ozarks. But we got there. And we got we got one dad, me and Bernie, and the other got the other dad. The next thing I know I have a cop putting this guy's wife, and they were Hispanic, by the way, and I and I didn't speak, I don't speak a lick of Spanish, <laughs> and her and her kids, and all I hear is me, Papa, me Papa, and Daddy, crying crying and I'm I'm trying to to do things, you know, trying to get to, I'm I'm trying to work and hearing them calling for him was impeding my ability to work because my emotional side was starting to come out and and I, I almost had I did. I mean, I had tears rolling down my eyes. I had. I opened the side door of the truck. I said, "You need to get these people the F out of here now." He said, "Well, I don't know where else to put them." I said, "They don't need to be in here with with this man dying and them watching." I said, "These are kids. These are kids. Kids don't need to watch their parents die. Neither, and, and, and you know he was he was bloody." And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just horrific, you know. And, and I finally uh, reached out the back door, and, and I, there was a uh, captain. I, I don't know if it was Fitzgerald on, on two or but there were two pumpers there. I grabbed him by his shirt collar. I said, you take these people and you get them out of here and down. So I could go to the hospital, and, and I was pretty good friends with Fitz. You know, I never did things like that, and he knew that I just I needed them out so I could go, so I could so I could put on the mask of a paramedic again and work instead of being, you know, upset with the family and not being able to do anything,
0: you mm-hmm. know
1: it makes it extremely difficult
0: so 20 years later you know as you reflect and you know EMS is still EMS and as I like to say um, what's what advice would you give today's paramedic to assist them in their longevity
1: I would like to I would say uh, to, to, to anybody that wants to, Join any service, whether it be urban or, um, you know, smaller fire department, you know, or maybe an ambulance district, you know, in Missouri. Um, Know that you are going. There is going. There are going to be calls that are going to. Uh, hurt that they're going to hurt you more you know, they are going to hurt you in ways that you won't know don't won't, won't don't expect you know you won't expect it but it'll come and it may not come it, it may be five years it may be the first or second day it may be 10 years. It may be 15, but there will be, finally you will have that call and it'll be the call that you'll always say, you remember that call and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I have a ton of those, you know, that I could, I could go through. And, And, and I think if you're going to get into this field, um, even if you don't have depression or, or anything like that, I I suggest counseling regardless get a counselor and talk and you know just uh either either if uh you know I, I think a counselor needs to be part of the fire department or even mess. I think every service needs to have um, a counselor that is uh, private. That you can tell him anything; and it doesn't affect your job. You can, you know, go to the counselor. You know, sort of like a a, a priest in, in a Catholic church in, in, in confession. And I think that's a lot of what we're missing. Uh, I think if I had somebody to talk to, somebody that could that could take, that could listen to me and, you know, take those, help me deal with those, those demons that constantly came, you know, in the middle of the night and you can ask my wife i would wake up in the middle of the night i'd never been shot at in my life but i would be have you know have have nightmares that i was getting shot or getting shot at or just shooting and i was never afraid of i would hear gunshots i mean just as often as i would hear you know a, a dog bark sometimes and uh they never bothered me. But maybe down deep inside they did, you know, clearly they did. Because it came out in my dream, you know, in my nightmares. I, I've had a lot of counseling uh since I since I've uh since I've will say retired uh, a lot and it has helped me, you know, immensely. I am still um, in love with uh, this this job. This is one of the few jobs that it, that you can get into that you can walk. You and your partner, and you know, three other guys or four of off a fire truck can walk into a hole and actually save a person's life and i'm not talking pulling them out of fire out of fire i'm talking pulling them out of eternity and back into the world you know mm-hmm. that could happen you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. that's that's what kept me going at EMS, that knowing that, that could happen at any
0: time wow um, what I what I want to do man at this moment is really uh, thank you for you know sharing the story and as you share your story I know people that are listening to this are saying to themselves yeah I've had some of those days or I'm just getting into this and I know that I probably do need what I'm what I'm going to call therapeutic counseling, where you get it on a regular basis, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, just, just, uh, just somebody to
0: talk to, just, uh,
1: just a vent to, you know. Yeah. But somebody, but it's going to have to be somebody on on your level, somebody somebody yeah. that's done you know, and, uh, I think that would be a great addition to, uh, to any department. You know, yeah. it's sending you it says sending you away to uh to somebody that, that has no idea what what you do, right. or you know, like, like a lot of them do so. <laughs>
0: Sorry, my scientists are acting up today. (laughs) You're good. No, you're good. You're good. No, I I appreciate your time. And, and, you know, having this podcast, I have these uh, guests on that are uh, people that have certain job titles and do certain parts in the EMS and fire world. But it is refreshing to get a raw perspective from a person who's done it on the street and done it in a place that yes, we're both familiar with, but there are St. Louis cities all across this country. So I want to thank you for reaching out to me. I want to thank you for sharing your story. And I hope that the people that listen to this, especially the people that have responsibilities of EMTs and paramedics, find ways to get their employees the therapeutic counseling that they need so that these employees can have not just a productive career, but when they retire, they don't have those nightmares and those issues right. that you spoke about.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know, honestly, on a, on another note, you have to you have you have to remove the the uh, the fear of people in in. In place in positions of power, you have that, that they have to be one hundred percent for you, instead of trying to catch you into something, or you know get you in trouble or or whatever. And and I I don't want to say anything bad, you know I I, I wanted to be objective, you mm-hmm. have to, but you but. That stuff does go on, mm-hmm. so it it needs to stop. And it and it need we need they need to be more uh, personnel centered.
0: Okay. So I, uh, I and,
1: and I'm just one one guy, but
0: no, I like that personnel centered. I think uh, sums up what bosses need to be. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your story. And I want to let the uh, listeners know that uh, the next episode of the EMS pod with Chief Randall will be live at FDIC in Indianapolis on tax day, April the 15th. And that's going to start at 5.15. So tune in. uh, I can't wait to hear from you. Thanks again, Chuck. Have a fantastic You're rest welcome. of your day.
1: You're welcome. And thank you for inviting me on here. Uh you know, I, I uh I really appreciate it. Um it, it's this is uh this was exciting for me to do. Uh and uh I I know reach reaching out to you probably you probably thought I would be the last person that, that would reach out to you, and, and I don't know, you know, but I always, I always had a, I always liked you, I always had a, I always followed your career. So I uh, and, um, I was quiet and everything, but you know, I when, when we worked together on the street, there was a. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if you remember or not, but it, it felt like to me there was more than just we we could have been friends had we had more time to be together. So I appreciate yes you reciprocating me my not contacting you and feeling the same way. And I am proud of you. I I I, I have you know, you are uh, one of my. Uh, I'm not going to say idle because you know, I, 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 I'm, I have been around longer than you in this business. But the bet that being said, that doesn't mean I know. I know more. I, I, but I, I think you just are a genuine person, and I, I, I love you for that.
0: So. But I appreciate it. And we do have a friendship, Chuck, whether you like it or not. So yeah. enjoy your day. Tell the business I said hi and have a great yeah. rest of your day, okay? Yeah. Thank you very right, much. Thank you. That's us. We're out. Yeah.